don't know about you, but the church in this nation needs a fresh Pentecost. Oh. Best, best thing to do is start laying hands on yourself and go, God, just increase that fire in me. Burn away anything that needs to be gone in Jesus' name that I would be free to be all that you've called me to be. Let the gifts increase. Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. Fan into flame that gift of God that is in you. Everyone has been called for such a time as this. You are chosen. You, you are appointed. You are anointed for such a time as this. Do not let the enemy rob you of anything that is yours, rightfully yours in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Jesus. Cool. We're going to talk about being marked by His Spirit. It's a good, um, good title, I thought. I actually don't know where I'm going to go with this. I've got a few notes in here, but I'm just kind of like, we'll just see what happens. Is that all right? So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for what you are doing and what you will continue to do. We just submit to you. We thank you that you are the spirit of truth. We thank you for your word, Lord, that is the word of truth. And you guide us into all truth. That today would be a day where chains break. Freedom comes. Gifts are released. We are overcome by your presence and your glory. We're on our faces before you as your glory cloud fills this place, O oh God. Oh, that we would be marked by your spirit today. That we would not be the same, but that we would be marked by your spirit today in a new way. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we are, for those that have given their lives to Jesus, you are born again. You are born again from above. The old is gone and the new has come. And there's probably a revelation that needs to continue to, to tick in your thinking about that, that you've been born again from above. You are heaven sent. You are no longer earthbound, but you live in the spirit. You, you're no longer just walking this way, but you are seated with him in heavenly places. Amen. You are spirit-filled. Maybe it doesn't feel like it sometimes. Praise God we don't go on feelings. We go on truth. The Word of God says that you've been filled with the Spirit. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. You've been set apart. For such a time as this, you've been set apart. Not just set apart, you are set apart from the world. But you've also been sent. We are an apostolic people. We are a sent people. We've been sent. You know, my heart just continues to beat to see more and more people walk in the fullness of the freedom that was purchased for them at Calvary. That is God's heart for you. His plan, His purpose, His grace, His gifts, His presence, His glory through you. 
that we would walk in greater freedom, greater freedom, greater freedom, greater freedom, until we walk in the fullness of the freedom that was purchased for us in Calvary. Amen? You know, of late, I've found myself having holy moments. And I, as I've been having holy moments, I've been pondering different things. One of the things I've been pondering is salvation. Because, you know, what is salvation? What does salvation look like? And please, please don't think I'm having a crack at anyone in particular. But on Facebook all the time, you see so many people going, I, like, you know, I led this person to the Lord and I led that person to the Lord. You know, but, you know, but have they really? There's no connection. There's no follow through. There's no, you know, ministry. There's no partnership. They just think like someone has, you know, like they've just prayed a little prayer, but it's not the prayer that gets you to heaven. The prayer was introduced by Billy Graham, bless him, and, he, and he's done amazing things. But even Billy Graham said, if I had my life over again, I would have done things differently. The mass altar calls with someone coming forward and praying a little prayer. There's so many people, yes, that were touched by God through that time, but there's so many people that just wandered away back into the wilderness. And so I've been pondering salvation. I go, God, I don't want just people to pray a prayer. I want people to encounter Jesus in a way where they know they are saved and they cannot go and sleep with their partner anymore. They cannot take drugs. Alcohol has no taste. I'm, you know, all this stuff changes because they've encountered the one who gave his life for them. Is there an amen? I want to see people work out their salvation with fear and trembling. I want to see them grow into the fullness. So I've been pondering salvation. I've also been pondering holiness. You know, Christ has made us holy. But yet we need to walk in that holiness. We've had pockets, haven't we? Over the last few weeks, even in worship, where the presence of God just manifests in a greater measure and we find ourselves just in tears singing holy, holy, holy. I've been pondering the glory of God. And the dimensions of his glory. And I guess in some way, maybe I'll get to some of these things today. There's, there's, there's definitely a couple of scriptures. I don't really know where we're going to go. But there's a couple of scriptures later on that I know that I have to get to. I want to start in John 15. No, I want to start in John 16. And Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Spirit that would come. And he says, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. He says, I still have many things to tell you now, but you can't bear them. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. As Christ took things from the Father and made it known to us, so too the Spirit of God takes things from Christ and makes it known to us. And I think about, and I just want to just, just, just dwell on, before we keep going, on that couple of verses in verse 8, when he says the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Unbelievers are the ones that are being convicted of sin, amen? Okay, we've got four people. He was, the Holy Spirit came, and one of his things is to convict those who do not yet believe of sin. Yes? He will convict the world of righteousness. The conviction of the Holy Spirit in us that we are, we are righteous, but maybe there's an area that we're not walking in righteousness. It's like, come up higher. Because I have more for you. Don't battle in the things of this world, but live by the Spirit. Convicting us of righteousness to live the way that Christ has, has, has poured out for us to live. Amen? And then he said, and convict about judgment. Because the ruler of this world has been judged. The enemy of your souls has been judged. Friday a week ago in Friday night prayer, we, we ended off with that song. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Come on, you know it. Took back what he stole from me. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back. Ready? He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Jimbo, he's under my feet. You like this? Under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. Come on. The ruler. <laughs> okay, that was a bit, of, a bit of an offshoot, wasn't it? The ruler of this world has been judged. Jesus also obviously talks about more about the Holy Spirit coming. He speaks about it in Acts chapter 1. And um, it's recorded here, he said, You have heard me speak about, oh sorry, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, You have heard me speak about. For, you, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. And, you know, we listen to the words of uh, John the Baptist talking about Jesus that would come after him, that he would baptize people with the Spirit and fire. And so I want to link the fire into the baptism of the Spirit. So you'll so you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be baptized with fire. And indeed, we saw the like tongues of fire come and and rest on people. And people began to hear the gospel in their own language as people began to speak in tongues. Isn't that an amazing thing? You imagine like people from different nations coming together in the same room and the Spirit of God moving and all these different tongues happening and the people heard the gospel in their own native language. Just, just picture that for a minute. Come on. Woo! 
And so they said to him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or periods that my father has set by his own authority. There's a whole other message in that. But you will receive power, you will receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses or my living testimonies in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as Jesus prayed for all believers, you know, uh, New Zealand is probably as far away you can get from Jerusalem as possible. The gospel of good news has reached the ends of the earth. But in the same way for us, we, we are called to be living testimonies in our Jerusalem, that is Bundaberg and this region. And then, and then we go to, you know, our Samaria and, and Judea and, you know, to the ends of the earth. That is wherever we tread our feet. So Jesus speaks about the giving of the Holy Spirit. But I want to speak about the fire a little bit for a few minutes. Is that okay? Because... We, we hear the word fire, and some people even go, fire in the hole. Well, that's Ollie, isn't it? Ollie likes that one. But the fire is multifaceted. Often we think of things just in like little grids. But the fire of God is multifaceted. It can't be just put in one box and go, that's the fire of God. Because that is also the fire of God, and that is the fire of God, and that is the fire of God. And I just want to take a moment before we get into the main verse of Scripture, just to run through five, five areas of this um, Holy Spirit fire. Is that okay? The first one, that as we're baptized by the Spirit, that we are, that we become sons. You're a son. You have the authority. You have an inheritance. You have the full rights of sons. We have been adopted into the household of God. That is good news. We are no longer orphans, but we are sons. Together. Us. Male and female. We are sons. Sons of God. And for those that, that have never heard it before, because it messes with our heads a little bit, women, you have to get used to being a son of God. Because it's about your inheritance, it's about your authority, it's about what you carry. Just as men, we have to get used to being part of the bride of Christ. It's true. We turn to Ephesians. Ephesians 1 as one example. In Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. You were sealed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment, the guarantee of our inheritance, guaranteeing what is to come. You are His prized possession. Do you understand that? He gave himself for you. You are his prized possession. As is the person next to you and the person next to you and the person next to you and the person behind you and the person in front of you. For everyone who's called upon the name of the Lord, you are his prized possession. And you have been given the Holy Spirit guaranteeing as a down payment, sealed, signed, guaranteeing what is to come.
That's why I think we need fresh moves of God every now and then. Because there are people that are in the church that are not really saved. If you read all the history people, Charles Finney, um, the Wesley brothers, all these kind of ministries over the years, they've all started, they've ministered in the church to the lost that are in the church who think that because they know a verse of Scripture or they attend church on the Sunday or whatever the case may be, that they're saved. But you can tell when someone is because they're marked by His Spirit. You can see it. There's something going on. You feel this like connection. It's the connection of the Holy Spirit. And you know that they truly are a brother or sister in Christ. There's the purifying, refining fire. Who, who likes that one? Okay, we've got some people. That's a good sign. Woo! I remember years and years ago when we first started pastoring our first church, ever since we started in ministry, I just was, I've just had revival. Oh, Jesus on my heart. But I just like to see a, like a true nation shaking revival. And it's, you know, it was in my grandfather that he would be on his knees hours every day praying for a revival in, in our nation. And it, and it kind of transferred through into me. And ever since we'd kind of, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is that that's the echo of my heart is to see a move of God that, that is only God. To see a move of God in this nation where cities are changed, towns are changed. Not just someone is changed. I've read about it in, in history. I've read about it in Scripture. I've read about it in history. And I'm going, why not here? But that first day, you know, when we first started really praying, we said, God, God, you know, work in us. Here we are, God. Have your way in us. God, everything that is ours is yours. God, have your way in us, God. We need you in our lives. We need more of you. It was when I first started going through real trials. Anyone else? And you go, hang on, God. This is not what I was, that's, this is, I was saying, God, God, send a revival fire on me. Fire me up, God. But then I realized with everything that we went through, I got to know him more. It was when we had no money in the bank that I began to recognize that he was my Jehovah Jireh. He was my provider. When there was sickness and when there, and, and when there was battles, I began to realize that he was Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer. When there was things that only God could do, I recognized that he was El Shaddai. I mean, like, he, he just revealed himself over and over again. So that it's not just something that we hear about, but it's something that we experience. And if you actually trace the God encounters right through Scripture from Abraham all the way through, you will see that God revealed himself by so many different names. As a different part of his character, he would reveal himself to the people. And so often, you know, we go, why? God is getting our attention in an area of our life. The purifying, refining fire. I want to turn to Malachi for a minute. 
I know it's kind of, we, we, we kind of cross and back, but this is, this is what it is. This is the, the ministry of the Spirit. And it says, he says, See, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me, and the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant that you delight in will come. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who will be able to stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and a launderer's bleach or a launderer's soap. And he, he will be like a refiner and purifier of sil- silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that then they will present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. The Spirit of God comes and moves in us and refines us and purifies us that we would present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Is there an amen besides one? There's the fire of first love. The fire of first love. Love is like a flame. The fire of first love that he spoke to the church in Ephesus. And he said, I commend you for all these good things that you're doing, yet I hold this thing against you. You've forsaken your first love. And if you're married or you're still married, you need to make sure that you tend that flame in your marriage. David, for a moment, his eyes wandered elsewhere. And he laid eyes on someone else. You have to tend the flame in your marriage. You have to tend, tend the flame. It's the same with, with, with our relationship with Jesus because you can easily get distracted. You can easily get busy. You can easily fill that space with all kinds of things. But you need that, that flame of love for Jesus in your heart. And that's what he said to them. Jesus said, he said, repent. And return to your first love and do the things that you did at first. We need that flame that's in us. Everything that we do should be from a motivation of His love. And if you struggle with that, you probably need more of His love. Everything I do, even, even coming early and setting up and doing all that stuff, it's like, there are, you know, it, it, it has to be from love because when it's from love, it's not a chore. It's the flame of first love. Aren't we thankful that as the Holy Spirit breathes on that flame, let it become like a raging fire of first love within us. Amen? Yeah. (laughs) Then we have the fire of, of the ministry gifts, the fire of the gifts that He's given to you. Because Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he says, I remind you to rekindle. Rekindle it, fan it into flame, that gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. This is one of the things that I really feel that God is speaking about at the moment. That there is seeds within people that are lying dormant. Maybe there's things that you've moved powerfully in in the past that have been laid down. But I feel that God is saying to so many people, rekindle, fan into flame that gift of God that is in you through the laying on of the hands of whoever prophesied, whoever laid hands on you, and it was affirmed and confirmed. Kindle it, 
rekindle it, fan it into flame because there are, there are prophetic people here that the voice needs to be heard. There are teachers that need to teach. There are worshipers that need to worship. There are evangelists that need to go. There's all kinds of ministry gifts and God is saying, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. Don't be a pew sitter. Don't be a spectator in the kingdom of God, but fan it into flame. And praise God, there's no age barrier. Woo! No age barrier. Doesn't matter whether you're 8 or 88. Woo! Do not neglect the gift which is in you. Oh, you're in a different passage, but that's all right which is directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit. Practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties. Throw yourself wholly into them as your ministry so that your progress may be evident to everybody. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 15, somewhere in there. It's like a tap. You turn the tap on and the flow of the, the, flow of the gift... Like, like the prophetic. I remember when I first started when, you know, people grabbed me and said, you know, there's a prophetic gift in your life. Come up here and start, you know, prophesying over people. I'm like, oh, but I don't have anything. And I said, yeah, that's the best place to be. So, so someone had come up the front. Someone had come up the front and I had absolutely nothing for them. Like nothing. Like completely Nothing. And I'm like, mm, thank you, God. I'll use Julie as an example because she's already been up here. Come on, Julie. I, don't, I actually don't have anything for Julie either. But they come up the front and I go, Lord, I want to thank you for Julie. And I go, thank you, Lord, for Julie. 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 But, you know, that's just like turning the tap. Lord, I want to thank you for Julie, God. I want to thank you for the creativity, God, that is increasing in her in the name of Jesus. I see our prophetic art coming forth in Jesus' name. Even, even here in this room, I see actually you grabbing something and actually demonstrating something in the Spirit. And so I just release you in, into the greater dimension of that prophetic art in Jesus' name. And I, and I just release your voice to complete freedom in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, for that prophetic utterance, God, that is growing and growing and growing. God, let it be like a fire, God, within her, God. Like Jeremiah said, I cannot hold it in. It is like a fire in my bones, and I'm weary of holding it in. I cannot. God, that Julie, we call you forth into that place in Jesus' name, that you will burn like a fire. Oh. It started because a brother in the Lord looked at me and said, I see the grace of God in you. Come here. <laughs> so this is, my, this is my beautiful wife for those that don't know. And he grabbed me and he said, okay, let's start praying. And everything in me is going. 
I got nothing. And he said, but you've got the Holy Spirit. We need to get a little bit uncomfortable so the Holy Spirit can move through us. Amen. There is so much godly DNA in this room, it's not funny. And I'm not just talking about your bodies, I'm talking about your spiritual DNA as well. Come on. You are heaven sent for such a time as this. I'm getting really hot now. I really want to put this fan on. The fire of his glory. Oh, crikey's. The fire of his glory. That sounds like Steve Irwin, doesn't it? Crikey's. He used to be like that. The fire of his glory. I'm just going to brush on this because I have to get to this, this verse that, that God really was impacting me about. The fire of his glory. Here was Moses when the, in Exodus 33 when the people of God had rebelled. And, you know, Moses was interceding. He was standing in the gap because the Lord said, that's it. I'm not going with them. I'm just going to send my angel and he's going to go with you. And, and Moses says, no, Lord, do not send us up from here unless your presence goes with us. For what else distinguishes us from all the other people on the face of the earth if it's not your presence? Is, is, is that not true? The church without the presence of God, people without the, the presence of God is just another bingo club. It's just another community club. We're not just good people doing good works, but we are heaven-sent people carrying the presence of God to minister as Jesus would minister. And then the Lord, so then he's, so he says, okay, my presence will go with you. And then Moses gone, there's more. I know there's more. Lord, show me your glory. Oh, isn't that a good prayer to pray? Show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. But no man can see me and live. So I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to cause all my goodness. Did you know, no, Prophetically speaking, we are hidden in Christ and all his goodness and all his glory is washing over us because we are hidden in Christ, in the cleft of the rock. Isn't that so good? You see, but what the glory does, it shows things up. The glory of God was manifesting and that's why Ananias and Sapphira died. Because the glory was so evident that hearts were being revealed. Lord, show us your glory. There's so many people that have found themselves that God is doing a deep work in at the moment, eh? God is doing such a deep work in people. I want to finish with this verse of Scripture today. We are marked by His Spirit. You are marked with His presence. You are marked as a son. You are marked, you know, with, the, with, with love. You are marked with the, the gifts that He's given you. You are marked with His glory. And it's just like, Lord, open our eyes to see what you really see. Amen. But I want to finish with this passage in Isaiah 4. Because it is a prophetic picture of the church. And if I can be a little bit bold this morning, 
It is a prophetic picture of the church and the divide that is happening in the church. Because I wholeheartedly believe that that is what is happening. Now, don't get me wrong. I want God to move in every corner of his people. But yet what we've seen in this nation over the last few years and even in the last two or three, that there is a clear divide between those who are just happy just to continue to exist and those that say, Lord, here I am, here we are. And we want to live for him. And so there's a prophetic picture in Isaiah 4. And it says this, and it ends with a glory. What is God saying to us? On that day, seven women will seize one man. So bring it into context, but then we're going to speak prophetically. Is that all right? Was that there was a war that had gone on, and there was a war that had gone on, and a lot of men had died. And so there was like more women than men. And so it, it, it was a shameful thing. It was a disgraceful thing for a, for, a, for a woman back then to be unmarried in that context. So in the context of seven, seven to one, seven women were coming to a man and saying, you know, we, we want to take your name on. We need your name to take away our, our disgrace. And that's exactly what it says. But they say, we will eat our own bread and provide our own clothing. Just let us bear your name to take away our disgrace. And if I could be so bold to say that there are many people in their walk with Jesus that are just like that. They do not want to give up everything. We need, as Jason mentioned last week, we need to eat all of the lamb. We need everything that the Holy Spirit has for us. We can't just pick and choose bits and pieces and go, I like that bit, but no, 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 that's going to mean I have to give up something, although that means I can't watch TV as much, or that means I can't, you know, and whatever the case may be, but we need everything that the Holy Spirit has for us. But here were, were, were women, so now I'm going to speak prophetically, here are people saying, Lord, we just want to take away, uh, we, we just want to take on your name, but we will provide our own food and our own clothing. That is, we are not wholly dependent upon you. We need to be wholly dependent upon the Lord. We can't come to Jesus and go, thank you for this bit of salvation here, but you know what? I'm just going to provide my own food and my own clothing. No, no, we need to say, Lord, we need everything that you've got. We need fresh manna from heaven every day. Man shall, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need fresh manna from Him every day. You know, we need His clothing. We need the garments of praise and righteousness and, and like all that stuff, joy and hope and life. We need to put on His clothing and we need to eat of His food. Amen? So that was one group of people. But it says also on that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. How cool is that? When I was reading this again, it just reminded me of John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
There's so, many, so much correlation in here. The branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and the glory of Israel's survivors. Whoever remains, isn't that what Jesus said? Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. Whoever remains in Zion, and whoever is left in Jerusalem will be called holy. Whoever remains in him, whoever remains in Christ, whoever abides in Christ, whoever stays in that place will be called holy. And all Jerusalem, uh, sorry, all, um, all in Jerusalem. Oh, let me go back. Blah, blah, blah. Whoever remains in Zion and whoever is left in Jerusalem will be called holy. All in Jerusalem written in the book of life. The book of life. Praise God that your name as a born-again believer is written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lord washes away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleanses the blood guilt from the heart of Jerusalem. And the Lord will create a cloud of smoke by day and glowing flame of fire by night over the entire site of Mount Zion and over all its assemblies. For there... The glory will be a canopy. And there will be shelter for shade from the heat by day and a refuge and shelter from storm and rain. We had a great session on Thursday night with a, freak, with a good friend of mine, Mark Crawford. He came in via Zoom to the advanced group that we run. He spoke some great things. And when, with one of those things, he, there was something the Holy Spirit was just touching me. <laughs> it was about, because what he was talking about is you need to be convinced. And he brought out all the verses in Scripture about being convinced. I am convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ. Are you convinced that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ? David said, I am, I am convinced that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Throughout Scripture, there were so many people that were convinced. When you are convinced of something, you cannot be moved. I'm convinced about the glory. I'm convinced about the glory. I, don't, I, I think this move of God is going to be very different to what the nations have seen over the past. It's not going to be nightly meetings where people gather in, a, in the same place every night and after six months or 12 months, it's here today and gone tomorrow. There's something very different about what God is doing and that's why it, 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 it's going to be marked by love and it's going to be marked by family, but it's going to be marked by His glory. And May's dream long time ago about a train, we're not just waiting for another Pentecost, it's about the glory. And here is a passage of Scripture that talks about that the glory of the Lord would be a canopy over the people. And when I read that, and I've read it heaps of times before, I went, that's it. That we will be that the glory of the Lord will be like a canopy. The glory of the Lord will be in us and through us and amongst us, and we will become a dwelling place for the glory of God. It is not just about a visitation, but a holy habitation. And that's why God is doing such a deep work in people's hearts because we cannot taint his glory. 
That's why I loved the testimony last week of our dear sister Vivian. Not that she was like healed of the emphysema, the part of the where she needed gas cylinders, but that no one, no one could say, I prayed for her and I did it. The Lord did it. There were people praying and the rest of us were worshipping and the Spirit of God just touched her and healed her. Will you be a glory carrier in these days? Will you be a carrier of His glory? Greater things are yet to come. Uh, Team, you want to come up here? I was thinking about when I, when I was reading Isaiah 4 yesterday and then I couldn't help but think, man, that just reminds me so much of Isaiah 40. When it says, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make straight a highway for our God in the desert. Australia's got so much wilderness and desert, hasn't it? Doesn't Australia have so much wilderness, so much desert? Well, let's prepare a way for the Lord. Let's prepare a way for the Lord. Who's in? Who's in? Maybe stand on your feet. If you're in, prepare a way for the Lord. Every valley will be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places will become a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it. That's exactly what happened in Isaiah 4. That the glory of the Lord was like a canopy. You couldn't help but see it. God, we ask today that you would show us your glory. Lord, in a way that we would be forever marked. We are so thankful for what you've done in us. We are so thankful for what you've been doing in us, God. But just like Moses Moses said, after you said, my presence will go with you, he knew there was more. And there's so many of us here today, God, we know there is more. And as Moses did to say, God, show us your glory. God, show us your glory. Have your way in us that we would be a people that are marked by your spirit, that we would be a people that are marked by your presence. We don't want to just celebrate Pentecost Sunday because it happened 2,000 years years ago, but we want to live and breathe and move in what happened that day. And we want it to continue day after day after day after day after day that the blind will see, the lame will walk, the deaf would hear, that people would be set free. But we recognize God we need you God we ask that you would continue to work in our hearts that our hearts would be yours God if there's anyone here today God that needs a God breathe upon the coals of their heart and let the fire burn that they would be consumed by your love they would be consumed God by you that Lord the passion would be for you that's our heart's desire we are jealous for your glory we are jealous for your presence that people would say not what Tim has done not what Steve has done or not what looks happening in restoration or whatever church or fellowship but they would say look what the Lord has done. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. God, that's
that's our heart that people would say, look what the Lord has done. He has done great things. God, we dare to believe as David did that we will see the goodness of God in this land of Australia. Hallelujah. Australia, you belong to Jesus. Yes. You were called for such a time as this. Hallelujah. We call forth the plans and purposes of God. The doors that need to shut will shut in Jesus' name. Doors that need to open will open in Jesus' name. That there will be an aligning, an aligning, an aligning of your plans and purposes, O God, for your end time glory. This is our response today. Please don't let this just be a song that we sing.